Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. It's great to be here, and there's a lot to get into today. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Now we have some real evidence that this could very well be happening. I get into that. Then, from the Combine, there's some Tom Brady on retirement rumors. He responds, uh, do I believe either a rumor or Tom Brady himself? Then, Geno Smith signs a three-year deal with the Seahawks. Lamar likely to get franchise tag. Derek Carr signs with the Saints. Are the Titans really shopping Derrick Henry? I'm going to get into all that. So let's get started with the top. Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. To me, this was the most interesting thing uh, I read when I woke up this morning is that there were talks last night about Aaron Rodgers in the Jets, that they had conversations, and then this morning as well, it kind of made it seem like they were still talking things out. Uh, Rogers views the Jets as an option, and this is the key here that the Jets and the Aaron Rodgers are talking, because usually this would be tampering. Uh, if a player under contract, you know, in this period where you can't really negotiate because the free agency window is not open. Uh, again, he's under contract. He's not a free agent. So that's tampering to the max. And then it came out that the Packers uh, granted permission for the Jets to communicate with Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. So to me, it looks like the writing was on the wall yesterday before the story came out about Aaron Rodgers talking with the Jets. It was yesterday morning. The Packers are exhausted. They're tired of the Aaron Rodgers antics, and they're ready to move on. So all points, all sides point to that now being the case, that an Aaron Rodgers trade is much more likely now than it has ever been. So it is huge that the Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are talking. He views him uh, as a place for him to keep playing his career. And for the Packers allowing him to do this, the Packers, to me, are signaling without saying, you know, they're ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is okay with it. So that's great. I love it. I've been saying this since day one. I would love Aaron Rodgers to get traded somewhere, anywhere. Don't play with the Packers your whole career. Take a page out of Tom Brady's book, other greats, and try to win a championship with another team. Of course, Tom Brady was the only successful one to do that. Uh, Joe Montana was close with the Chiefs, Brett Favre close with the Vikings. The only one to really seal the deal late in their career was, again, Tom Brady. But if he goes to the Jets, does it make the Jets a contender, or are they still more pieces away? Uh, I'm here to say if they were to get Aaron Rodgers, they would be a legitimate uh, contender. I mean... I wouldn't go, I'd go as far to say that they could win the division in an AFC championship game against the Jets and the Chiefs uh, would be very real. So, and to me, the key thing is they finished in last place in their division. Last year they were 7-10. and 10. Uh, If you finish last place, you think, oh, they're a bad team. But you look a little closer at their losses, and you can make an argument they're with Aaron Rodgers, especially the way he played down the stretch, that this team could have made the playoffs 
Jets were seven and ten last year. I'm going to show you some of their uh, losses that they had. So they start off the season uh, two losses. I I believe they're five and two. Yep, they're five and two at the time. Their two losses were bad. So let's start there at five and two. Then the following week they're five and two. Zach Wilson plays terrible. Three interceptions against the Patriots at home in New York. They lose by five points. I believe that's a game Aaron Rodgers could have won. Then the following week, they beat the Bills. All right. Then they play the Patriots again the following week, and that's the infamous Zach Wilson game. He only throws for 77 yards. They don't score an offensive touchdown against the Patriots. They lose 10-3. to And the Patriots don't score an offensive touchdown either. Uh, that was when Zach Wilson said he was not a problem with the Jets, and he was kind of benched for the rest of the season after that. Then they beat the Bears, and then they go on a five-game losing streak. They lose to the Vikings by five points. They lose, and Mike White throws uh, two interceptions in that game. They lose to the Jets, uh, by, or they lose to the Bills by eight points in Buffalo. They lose to the Lions by three points Again, Zach Wilson doesn't play great. Then they lose to the Jags, 19-3. And then they get blown out by the Seahawks, 23-6. And then their last game of the season, they lose. So actually, it's a six-game losing streak uh, to end the season. They lose to the Dolphins, 11-6. Again, no quarterbacks played in that one. So you're telling me Aaron Rodgers couldn't have at least won three of those games and at least gone 10-7? In that stretch, uh, for those six-game losing streaks, and then for the – so I'm going to put them at 10-7. and seven. And then against the Patriots, you don't think Aaron Rodgers could have won both those games uh, against, to me, not a great Patriots team? And you could have gone 12-5. and five. And if you would have done that, you would have been the fifth seed, played Jacksonville. You could have won, and then you go to Kansas City. Who knows from there? So the Jets have a very, very good team. Aaron Rodgers has spoke on the talent there. Brees Hall, terrific running back. Uh, he'll be back from his ACL tear uh, later or in the next season. You pair him with Michael Carter and James Robinson. And then receivers, they got Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, good tight end, Uzama. So they have a good weapons. And then defensively, they are a stout unit. So with Aaron Rodgers, yes, that makes them contenders. And then you look at the teams they have to play because they finished in last place. They get the easy part of the uh, AFC side, so, so you will. So they're going to play their uh, AFC East teams, of course, the Patriots, uh, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Again, I think they can beat the Patriots twice. If the Dolphins stick with Tua, I think they can beat them twice. Uh, Bills, maybe that's one and one, so that's five really winnable games right there. Then you get the NFC East. So at home, they're going to get the Eagles and the Commanders. Think they can beat the Commanders. Away, they get the Giants, I think they can beat. And I think they can beat the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers owns the Cowboys historically. Then they get the AFC West. That's tough because that is Kansas City. Uh, but they'll get them at home. And then they get the Chargers at home. So the two better teams, they get at home. So then away, uh, they get the Raiders and the Broncos. Again, I think winnable game. And in addition, they play the Texans easy, Browns easy, 
Falcons easy. This sets up as Aaron Rodgers, let's run the table, let's win some games. It's very, very doable to me. This makes sense. I love it on both ends. Uh, the Packers can play Jordan Love, considering he drafted them in the first round. This is going to be his fourth year. Then they can decide if they want to pick up this fifth-year option and start negotiating, or if, hey, uh, we got the first-round pick from the Jets, let's see our options next year and kind of use that extra draft capital to try to trade up for a quarterback in that draft. Uh, make both teams flexible. Like this deal. I hope it gets done. Seems more concrete uh, with what's been going on. So uh, um, let me tell you, the breaking news from ESPN, uh, watching that like a hawk. Now moving on to Tom Brady. Uh, interesting rumor yesterday from a few folks, actually, uh, after Combine, that they said, um, watch out for Tom Brady on retiring. And the team would be the Miami Dolphins. And to me, it just, the, the situation makes too much sense considering the Dolphins were a really good team this year with Tua when healthy. Now imagine Tom Brady on that team. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, uh, Mike Gusecki, trying to lure Gronk out of retirement to have that tight end as well. Uh, Taron Armstead at left tackle. A decent offensive line uh, outside of him. Defensively, they hired Vic Fangio, a very respected defensive coordinator. They got pieces in Xavier Howard and Christian Wilkins and Jordan Phillips. They got a squad. Tom Brady on there, it just makes too much sense. It's a 49er offense, a Kyle Shanahan offense that Mike McDaniel runs down there, very offensive friendly. I mean, Tom Brady to Tyreek or to Jalen Waddell. Uh, to me, that doesn't seem fair. That is uh, what he came to the Bucks with. I think a little better in terms of weapons and a very player-friendly uh, offense as well. It just makes too much sense, and I get it, especially considering can't trust Tua's health. I think Tua's a great kid, highest passer rating when played, uh, but that was a concern coming out of college. That's a concern I've always had with him is he's – Injury prone, I think it was shoulder, and he had the hip in college, and then now it is worsened in the NFL to concussions, so it's not really he's fighting injury. It's he's fighting concussions and trauma. And I think if he gets one more concussion, it could be a Luke Keekley type thing where he's kind of forced to retire because his, his body, his head can't handle the, the hits and the punishment out there. Um, on the football field. So that's kind of, I think, why these rumors are they're starting. Uh, I think they're holding up on paying to it because of that. It's don't want all that dead cap hit and all that money. So it's wise on the business side of things as well. Um, but Tom Brady did respond to the rumors today uh, saying, you know, it's hard to come out of retirement when you just adopted a two-month kid in. Uh, try to make light of it with a nice dad joke. But you're not fooling anybody, Tom Brady. Uh, the I think Tom Brady is really trying to retire for real uh, when he signed his paperwork and, you know, filed all that. I think he really does want to hang it up. Uh, but I think it's tough for Tom because he can still play at an elite level. I mean, last year led the league in completions and pass attempts. 
the arm ain't falling fall, uh, falling off anytime soon. Uh, yes, I think get last year was his. I think worst year it was also his most tumultuous off the field with uh, the very public divorce with uh, his wife Giselle, and then uh, losing a ton of money with the FTX bankruptcy, uh, and with kind of the off season of losing some players and the coach stuff. It was like always something going wrong with uh, Tampa, always some rumor coming out there. And I think it hurt the team. So could he go to the Dolphins? Uh, I think this would be the best shot considering uh, how much I think he'd want to play with the Niners, the fact that they turned him down uh, that one time in his first free agency gig a few years ago. I think the Dolphins make sense considering they tried to uh, get him a few years ago, cost him a first-round draft pick for tampering, so Dolphins don't have a pick this year. Maybe Tom Brady has a moral obligation to fulfill this one year for the Dolphins. Uh, But I think uh, with that, Tom Brady, with the family still in Florida, Miami is a hot spot, a lot of weapons. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that's a team also uh, Gronk would come out of retirement for. I think he'd have Gronk Beach uh, up every weekend. I honestly do. But not going to make too much of it. Just going to talk about the report. I'm not going to speculate every podcast unless something more real happens. Now moving on to Geno Smith. Geno Smith uh, got a three-year, $105 million deal yesterday. The average value, of course, is, when you do the math, 35 per year. But the base value is $25 million per season. Three years, $75 million, $40 million fully guaranteed at signing. So that's kind of how that works. Uh, the most of the money is in the first year where he's going to make about half of it, $52 million. In that first year to where if he kind of falls off the following year or even this year, uh, cap hit won't be too huge uh, for Ben. But I want to congratulate Geno Smith because it just goes to show that one good year, you can make a lot of money. And I wish it was like that everywhere. It's, you know, I was at a a job for eight, nine years and, and I continuously was hurt. So I called out sick from work all the time or... I just wasn't good at my job. And then eight years later, uh, somehow I'm miraculously around. And then I decide to do right that one year. It's like, we're going to bump this man's pay up, you know, to one of the highest paid of a company. That's not how that works. Uh, I get it. Gino had a phenomenal year. He led the league in completion percentage this year. This is his first year starting where he had a winning record, was selected to the Pro Bowl. Uh, 30 touchdowns, his career high, to 11 interceptions, a career low. Uh, I mean, it was great. But when you look at him, you look at his tenure with the Jets, where he was awful. Uh, both those seasons, it was as many or more interceptions than touchdowns. Very low completion percentage, wasn't good. Then he journeyed around to the Giants, the Chargers. And then this, is, this past year was his third year in Seattle. And his relief last year for Russell Wilson didn't really look great. Uh, Made some dumb mistakes. 
uh, in some games, but this year he stepped it up. So I want to congratulate, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him because he made his money. But should one good year really allow someone to make this much money that we just forget everything else that happened in his career? I mean, he was a career uh, backup, a bust by a lot of people, and all of a sudden we hand out money to him like it's candy. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, I think. Uh, I do. And I think the same should go for Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones is expecting a contract of $45 million. If I was a New York Giants and Daniel Jones told me that, I would have just let him go. I would have said, I would have drove him in my car. I would have drove him into the middle of nowhere in New York. I would have dropped him off. I would have said, there you go. Thanks for your service. Because that's an absolute joke that Daniel Jones is demanding that much money. Yes, this was his best year. But his, before this year, before entering into this year, uh, we thought, who is this guy? Is he a bust? Can, like, like what, what's going on here? Uh, he was terrible his first year. He was 3-9. and nine. More uh, 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Uh, second year, 5-9. and nine. 11 touchdowns, 7 and uh, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Last year, 4-7, and seven, uh, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And then you take him the fumbles. He turned over more times than he threw touchdowns. He was not good. So then this year, he goes 9-6-1, 15 touchdowns to 5 interceptions, led the league in interception ratio at 1.1. We say we need to reward him with a great deal just because he had career highs this one year. Do we forget what happened? Are we blind to what happened his first three years? I mean... What's going on? Uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks I like in this draft. More than Daniel Jones. I like Hendon Hooker, which you could probably get him if you're the New York Giants, uh, than Daniel Jones. I mean, if he's going to cost $45 million and be a large cap hit to you, uh, this aberration of a season 9-6-1, he's about to go back to his 4-7, and seven, his 5-9 and nine type numbers. I mean, if the Giants do this deal, uh, this is the dumbest franchise in they're going down the drain. Uh, they will be the worst New York sports franchise if they do this deal. The Bills are already ahead of them. The Jets are ahead of them, regardless if they get Aaron Rodgers or not, and they do this deal. And then other sports leagues, Mets, Yankees, better. They'll win a championship soon. Rangers would be better. Islanders are definitely better. And then uh, the Knicks, as well, they've been on a great winning streak. They're playing well. And even the Nets trading Katie and Kyrie, uh, Mikhail Bridges, and the pieces they've got have been phenomenal. So the New York Giants would be the worst New York sports team in history. Uh, not, not in history. And right now, if they do this deal. I'm sorry, I got a little carried away with the history thing there. But there you have that. Uh, don't do this deal. So you have that one. And then this, just breaking, just got the alert. Um, excuse me. Uh, that Lamar, Lamar Jackson has been franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this is the non-exclusive franchise tag. So it pays him $32 million. 
And because it is a non-exclusive, they, he now has a chance to negotiate with other teams. So technically he is a free agent. And other teams can make him an offer as of Wednesday, March 15th, which is next week. If Jackson signs an offer sheet elsewhere, the Ravens do have a chance to match it, and he would have to be on their team. However, if they decline that offer sheet, they automatically get two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. So that is how that works. That, to me, is just insane uh, about this because I do believe he's going to have some suitors because $32 million, uh this year, when I was thinking he's going to get around a $45 million deal, uh, that to me is interesting. Now, it's also been reported uh, by ESPN that the Atlanta Falcons will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson, which I thought was going to kind of be his the number one destination uh, for him. Now it's really interesting. I do think, I'm not just because it's been reported that Atlanta isn't going to pursue, I'm not going to say that, hey, uh, can he not go there? Uh, I think they have opportunity. If they were smart, I would definitely do it, uh, considering the division. But there are some teams out there I think can do it. I think the Bears are definitely a team. Uh, he's a better version of Justin Fields. And then if they get Lamar Jackson, they have like $100 million in cap space. Get this. They get Lamar Jackson. They could trade Justin Fields uh, for, a, I, I could say, a first-round draft pick, second-round draft pick, trade him for some draft picks. And then they trade down in the draft, like their general manager is saying, and get a 2024-1 and 2025 one. This team could really be loaded and have the quarterback position secure with Aaron Rodgers on the move. Uh, Minnesota cutting pieces, I think they're going to be entering a rebuild with Justin Jefferson. And Detroit, it could be a Detroit-Chicago division. Of course, I'm going to lean Detroit, but you have that. Carolina is interesting, considering uh, they want to, I think, pursue a quarterback. Could they pursue one? And like um, Lamar Jackson and just say, hey, these draft prospects are nice, but we got a proven guy in Lamar Jackson. New Orleans made the move with Derek Carr. We need to answer. Uh, and then what about the New York Jets? Let's say things don't work out with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets could go out and get Lamar Jackson. I think that makes a ton of sense as well. And lastly, this is just a dark horse I'm just throwing out there uh, because it's a need for them is the Niners. Uh, I know they don't have a ton of cap space, but if they could maneuver some things, and somehow get Lamar Jackson, uh, let's just say scary hours would be afloat with that offense, with the way he's able to run the football. And all again, any I think a lot of quarterbacks can look great in this offense, considering Brock Purdy looked great. I mean, Lamar Jackson's head and shoulders over Brock Purdy. He just has to throw the football to George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, McCaffrey's weapons all over. Yeah, Lamar just the ability not to scramble. Uh, talk about overpowered there. So there, that's Justin. Lamar Jackson got franchise tag. However, it is non-exclusive. And I do not see him staying with the Ravens. Next, Derek Carr. Uh, 
Derek Carr signed a four-year deal with the New York Saints worth around $150 million. That includes $100 million guaranteed money, 60 fully guaranteed at signing. That's crazy. He's going to earn uh, $60 million in the first two years of the deal. Uh, just insane. I mean, same thing as Geno Smith. I think Derek Carr is better than Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, uh, or Derek Carr is better than both those guys. But to me, it's just outrageous that he gets so much money. Now, they got weapons. They got Olave and uh, Jarvis Landry. They got pieces of Michael Thomas if healthy. It's not as good as weapons as Las Vegas. It's not an offensive system like it was in Las Vegas. Yes, you've got a better defense and a worse division, but I don't see him improving much as a passer. I mean, let me get this straight. He was in Josh McDaniel's offense, an offense that with Tom Brady looked great. Now, Derek Carr is not Tom Brady, but Derek Carr looked like the worst version of Derek Carr last year. He was bad in an offensive system. Now he's in a defensive-minded coach system. I don't think this ends well with Derek Carr. It's not smart for the Saints to do this. Uh, He doesn't have the accuracy that Drew Brees does that they're trying to say he's going to be the next Drew Brees. I just don't feel he possesses it. I don't think he's that good. It's just, to me, outrageous. Uh, This doesn't move a needle. For me, on New Orleans, uh, championship, Super Bowl, where that's the final goal now, does it move them up in the division, potentially? Yes, because uh, this year they were finished third place in the division. They were 7-10. and uh, I believe right now that this now they are now the best team in the division. I will say that with Derek Carr, considering Tampa Bay uh, only has Kyle Trask under option. In Carolina, Sam Darnold. And then Atlanta, Desmond Ritter and them. So by default, because these rosters are so close, uh, the quarterback is what's going to separate it. So I'll give them that right now. We'll see how the rest of it shakes up. But if I expect New Orleans to make a run in the playoffs or do anything, uh, no. Lower your expectations for that. And then it was also uh, reported that Titans shot Derrick Henry at the combine. That was crazy. Uh, But I get it for the Titans. You're trying to maximize Derrick Henry, uh, considering you don't know how many good years uh, left you have with him. And considering the fact that I think the Titans are lost. Uh, I like Mike Vrabel. think he's an excellent coach. But to me, Jacksonville, it's a team to beat in the AFC South. Now with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, Ryan Tannehill's not that guy. He's just not. You traded A.J. Brown. Uh, future will determine how good Traylon Burks is. You released Robert Woods. You released Taylor Lewan. You released Bud Dupree to create cap space. I mean... They're making moves and not the type of moves a winning franchise makes. If I was Derrick Henry, I'd want to get out of there. I think the Titans should maximize this because he only has one year left on his deal. He could walk out for absolutely nothing, and I don't see the Titans doing a lot of damage this year. I'm sorry, Derrick Henry. I love you, though. So where should he go? These, to me, are my top three landing spots for Derrick Henry. Number, these are top three landing spots. I'm going to start with number three. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I believe the Dolphins are the top spot. I thought Raheem Mostert had a great year, 891 yards, but Raheem Mostert has some injury history. 
played through some stuff this year, even though he only missed one game. But uh, out from him, it's not a lot of depth. Jeff Wilson Jr., I think, is decent, but not great. Same with Chase Edmonds. I think you can cut those two guys, keep Mostert as a speed option. And then with Derrick Henry, that's a real punch, considering, let's say, Tom Brady doesn't come out of retirement. But that takes a lot of pressure off of Tua Tagovailoa to throw the football. It opens up a lot more play action as well with still Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I mean, that offense would have a lot of nice pieces with Derrick Henry there. Uh, that's a place I'd like to see him go. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think Philadelphia, great team. I think they should have won the Super Bowl. I'm not going to get much into that. Uh, yes, Miles Sanders had a terrific year, uh, but imagine Derrick Henry and not Miles Sanders. With the year they had last year, 14-3, and three, uh, that, that to me is close to like being undefeated if everyone's healthy. I really do. Uh, that to me is like, Hands down, the best roster, even if it's just for a one-year rental. You don't do anything long-term. It's, hey, our defense is going to get, uh, you know, kind of overhauled this year. Uh, who knows if James Bradbury will still be there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a free agent. Uh, Hargrove, uh, Hargrave, Sue, Wendell Joseph, all free agents. Let's at least keep our offense. It, it was number one in NFC last year. Let's go ahead and keep it that way. That'd be very dangerous. And number one, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I get this, or I say this because this is a team that struggles to run the football. I don't know if it's by scheme or uh, by player, by coach, uh, but they struggle to run the football. They're not committed to it. Devin Singletary had a nice year. So did uh, James, uh, my bad, James Cook. Josh Allen's always a factor running, but this would take a lot of pressure off Josh Allen because when it's third and one, third and two, it's Josh Allen trying to be hero, either QB sneaking it or some type of QB draw or a short throw. You never know how those goes on a slant third and one. So if you get Derrick Henry, that's kind of close to automatic one, two-yard getter uh, right there. And to me, it takes pressure off of Josh Allen. You don't have a true number two wide receiver. Uh, Gabe Davis is nice. He's shown moments, uh, but he's not the true number two that you'd like. You have a good tight end. So if you have a number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, a number three in Gabe Davis, and a good tight end in Knox, you add Derrick Henry. That makes it more legit, and it makes it harder for teams to beat you. Uh, we saw the game plan against the Bengals um, in the playoffs and even against the the Dolphins, it was really shutting down the run game to a bare minimum. Get up on the lead, and we'll see uh, really what you can do when Josh Allen has to press. This kind of will help get eliminate that, get rid of that. So I think the Bills uh, would be a great team to sort of get uh, Derrick Henry. And last but not least... Josh Jacobs was franchise tagged, so was Tony Pollard. I think it's a smart decision to franchise tag running backs uh, to keep them on that one year if they'll play on it. And I say this because, respect, just because it's a business as well, uh, love running backs and Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, but they don't have a long shelf life. Uh, 
so if it were to come to Derrick Henry or to Daniel Jones and um, Saquon, I would definitely franchise tag Saquon, try to work out a deal for Daniel. Uh, but especially for some systems like the three I just named, running back is very valuable. You keep them around at least on a one-year deal, see if there's a market in the draft to draft one, but that's kind of how I view the running back. I think it's smart to franchise tag running backs, not to give them uh, the long-term deal. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.